are at 12.20 a.m. on a, what, Friday night, Saturday morning. Yeah. Uh, for a bonus episode of Frame Rate. Hey. It's me, Michael Swain. And me, Abe Epperson. And no guest, but that's yeah. fine. Because we just came back from watching Black Panther. Blanther! I call Blanther. it Blanther for speed. Because um, I think that fits with the theme of uh, Panthers. Fast. We came back from Black Panther and we figured just like we did with Last Jedi, it's better to cover right away because this is a cultural moment and a cultural movement. What'd you think, Abe? It just ended seconds ago. Well, I'm going to give the caveat that, and we were talking about this. Catviat. Catviat. Meow. Um, I don't like superhero movies that much anymore. Marvel does not work for me, but um, there are a lot of parts of this movie that did work for me. And I think if you listen to Last Jedi, it's fair to say, yeah, let's get all our caveats out of the way. (laughs) It's fair to say that neither you nor I, we, we have a bone to pick with the broader Disney action adventure genre, right? Like including the Star Wars movies and yeah, and Marvel certainly folds into that. I agree. I, uh, Jen and I were talking, you know, before seeing it about how basically this goes without saying. And I think everyone's excited about Black Panther for the right reasons. Uh, and no one's trying to detract from that. Like, here's the way I said it. If we're going to have lowest common denominator superhero movies as our dominant form of entertainment, then you bet your ass they should be representational, right? Every, yeah. Everyone should get a turn at bat. Yeah, I agree. That doesn't make me like that that's the dominant form of storytelling. Right, right. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, there's still plenty of shots that are just like, or you know what it is? It's the writing. It's the turn to camera and say, uh, you know, witty quip. That yeah. stuff I just get tired of because it's just so many of it. And this movie doesn't have a lot. No, it doesn't have a lot. We both, we both mainly going to, I think going to have positive impressions. We didn't compare notes, but like it Mm -hmm. was good. Um, but it does, man. I just, cause our job is to gripe and nitpick every Disney, Marvel, Star Wars movie. The moment that like takes me out of it every time is it seems like the new thing you have to do in is the get first a gang five together. minutes. No, no, no. In the first five minutes, have like the worst, most tone deaf, lamest dad joke. Like in, <laughs> in Last Jedi, it was the oh my unhold. Oh, oh no, you're yeah, unhold. I can't hear you. I, I'm cutting out. You know. And in this, it's what it's. Did he freeze? Oh, he froze. He always freezes. Yeah. And I just don't find this like dead on arrival humor funny i can't find it funny and yeah it's it's like you said lowest common denominator i don't need and this the thing i loved about this movie is my big gripe with the superhero movies is it actually makes me question like what are humans or what is society <laughs> that most adults with adult level brains are not embarrassed that the most that the stories they ingest most frequently are like a nine-year-old could equally ingest it. There's nothing yeah, challenging yeah, there. No, I actually thought this did rise above that, especially in, that in Act Three, right? Because the gist of and I, it's very well chosen, I think, uh, and it's very Kugler. It's great. Is uh, the central thrust, you know, of all the possible Black Panther plots they could have picked? They decided to pick the very timeliest one, which is this is the this is Wakanda, Africa. It's rooted in African traditions. It's totally non-interventionist. The whole point uh, of Wakanda is they have no like foreign policy. <laughs> they they just hide. Yeah, from they're the xenophobic. World. Yeah, and uh, and it's the question of 
do they have kinship with black Americans? And do they have kinship with the oppression of black people around the world? What can they do about that? They have all this crazy technology thanks to vibranium, mm. which I'd also love a Marvel nerd to weigh in. I can Google this, but I just want to know what's the relationship of adamantium to vibranium? Cause they're both in the Marvel universe and they're both described as the hardest metal in the universe. Uh, they can't both be that. Well, no, it's because they're both an offshoot of unobtainium. <laughs> right, right. From the core or from Avatar? Several, <laughs> yeah. several movies. But yeah, the core has unobtainium. It does, yeah. But <coughs> I did think the thing that really hit me the most is literally that. That it didn't boil itself down to an evil guy is going to destroy the whole universe with a crystal. So maybe, just maybe, we can punch him hard enough in the face yeah. that we'll save the world. We both eaten the crystals. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie certainly had that. Yeah. And that's why we like are going to say, it doesn't break the formula of Marvel no, movies no, it does by not. any stretch. But, dude, there were scenes with political ideas being brought up, like when people around the world are suffering and you have the power to intercede, is mm -hmm. it politically moral to intercede or to not intercede? That's a challenging question with gray areas in it. The villain, much like, uh, this is what I like to have Spider-Man Homecoming too. I was just going to mention. Yeah, you, you understood. I'm talking too much. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just the, the, the similarity between the villain. So uh, Michael Keaton in that movie and uh, Michael B. Jordan in this movie is that there is legitimate like value in the basic premise of why those villains are being villainous. Uh, they just take it too far right. and need to be stopped. But like the end of the movie, uh, in this particular case, like he basically listens to his foe. Like he, he basically is like, we're going to open up Wakanda to the world and like share the wealth of information. And the, the reason that we're xenophobic before is a thousand year tradition that they mentioned like, several times. Maybe times do need to change, but yeah. times do need to change. And that is the reason why Michael B. Jordan's character wants to become King is he's like a kid from o Oakland and he's just like, you killed my dad and you guys are the wrong ones. You yeah. guys, maybe the society that created this Black Panther, this, uh, you know, you are the flaw. I'm not the flaw. I'm a part of the world. I'm the claw. I'm the claw. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and I thought that that was a welcome respite for a lot of these types of superhero movies where even though I, like, enjoyed because of the charm of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy... The character of Ronan, played by Lee Pace, who is the villain in that movie, is as boilerplate villain as you can get. Oh my god. I'm really good at remembering movies, and I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy, and I can't remember who the villain was. Exactly, because he's a nonsense villain. He's like a henchman. Can you refresh me? What? It he's got that deep voice. and uh, Damn, I don't even... That's don't even crazy. Because that's a movie I liked, but I think that showcases how the villain was not anything. Thing because no. they didn't represent an ideology and I think that's what we're getting at is not just yes you He's can make evil. a villain where like you sympathize for them because they're evil because they endured a lot of pain or whatever but these are Michael Keaton and Michael B. Jordan and this are more than that they have good points yeah their point about like when Heath Ledger's Joker says Batman you suck and here's my ideology you're like this guy's fucking nuts yeah but when Michael B. Jordan says to Black Panther, what he thinks and why this is all fucked up. You're like, mm. you should probably listen to Michael B. Jordan yeah, a little bit. They're not just men who want to see the world burn. Right. And it's kind of, it's almost the, I mean, it's the classic 
violence versus pacifism. Let's say you want to get something done, right? Is it violence or pacifism? Yeah. Is it it's an MLK Malcolm X parable in some ways, in the sense that Michael B. Jordan is saying, We have vibranium, let's use it to fuck everyone who has fucked us and yeah. control the world. Yeah. And uh Chadwick Boseman says it ultimately, no, because I'm a superhero, but the thrust of your idea was good and we're gonna listen to you. And I think that's echoed very cleverly in the resonant line where Michael B. Jordan says, I learned from my enemies. Mm. And when he says it, you think of it in a bad light because he means like white people have massacred us. I'm going to massacre them back. And not getting too deep into the conversation about whether you think that's justified or not in Marvel universe, a superhero would not find that an acceptable course of action. Right, right. So obviously black Panthers against that. And that's why, Michael G. B. Jordan must be stopped, but Michael B. Stopped. Michael B. Stopped. What? <laughs> Johnny B. Good. Johnny B. Good. Johnny Unitas. <laughs> now we're just free associating. Yeah. But I love that he said, "I learned from my enemies," and by the end, Black Panther learns from his enemy. Yeah, exactly. And the specifically in Act Three, what yeah. I really enjoyed about this movie, because um, I thought Act Two was kind of boring, but uh, Act Three saved it to me. And specifically in, like, the fight scene was well-directed and, you know, it was good. But um, the fact that you had a superhero who kind of gives the killing blow to the villain, and it's like, okay, and then in every other Marvel movie, that now that's over. That's, mm-hmm. that, you know, he's dead now, or, you know, whatever. Right. But um, in this movie, he was just like, they had a, a conversation at the end where it was just like that, you know, this is what my dad taught me. And he told me that, uh, Wakanda is like the most beautiful sunset and stuff, which is like a planned payoff at the beginning of the film. Uh, and then he'd like takes him out to the sunset and says, it's beautiful. And then, uh, Michael B. Jordan, like essentially kills himself. He like, he takes out the blade from his lungs because they have vibranium, which can heal anything. So he could <clears throat> yeah. be healed. Yeah. Yeah. He had a choice and he was like, nah, I'm not going to be in prison. But what's beautiful about it is that there's an alarming amount of empathy in, from the superhero to the supervillain and kind of vice versa, um, regarding in, like this particular yes. film has that, empathy. which I do think is undercut by the fact that it is Killmonger and they yeah. stayed true to the fact it's like, Eric Killmonger. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you've seen Unforgiven, I do believe in the thesis of that movie, which is like, there's a point after which you can't really come back. And Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, literally has a mark on his body for everyone he's killed. And And it's it's hundreds and hundreds of people. I've killed everyone on on all continents. So I love that. I mean, like, I totally do love and get emotionally in context why he shows sympathy for the guy. But I'm like... He's still like you're a like, murderer, right? It's like if you caught Hitler and you're like, let him see the sunset. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, just give him one last German sunset. How dope is Michael B. Jordan's whole look in this? Though I loved his haircut. His, yeah, he at his costume, awesome. he's built he's even su- more so than Creed. Yeah, even more than Creed, he's like super cut. Yeah, super buff. He like there's a shot from like behind him at one point mm-hmm. when he's watching all of the the hearts. Of the vibranium flower or whatever. Yeah, the heart-shaped herb. The heart-shaped herb that he's just like watching it all burn. Yeah. And it's just like, well, this man is just a triangle. I mean, he's like <laughs> a Chris Hemsworth-looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, I love, I really do think it took the challenge level up a notch in mm. terms of the level of conversation you're able to have afterwards. It's not just about how cool was it when X happened. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Another thing that I thought hinted at that, that it is planned that way, uh, is the fact that we see the exact same scene twice the scene the uh trial by combat on the waterfall yeah and the first time early in the movie when t'challa has to prove that he can be king by fighting someone without any powers mm-hmm. i it totally felt like i did i got a thrill that i will compare to the princess bride and ego montoya because the guy was like the guy who challenges him is like we are the forgotten tribe like blah blah blah, yeah. blah, blah. and he comes and it's interesting i just love that it's showing the context is everything. And I think that's one of the strengths of the film is in that scene, you're totally on T'Challa's side and uh, you're for the power structure, which he represents You're for tradition and you're for all the of the people around him are cheering for him. Right. And then they're still cheering for him the second time when he's fighting Michael B. Jordan, but it f- doesn't feel triumphant anymore. It feels like uncomfortable and mixed and like complicated. Yeah. And I love that. I think that's just speaking to like, See, I, it's so much better than what Last Jedi did because Last Jedi said, I'm Ryan Johnson. I have to be unique somehow. I'll do it by reversing some of the tropes. Like instead of your dad being Luke, your dad is no one. Like, yeah. haha, look what I did. And to me, that's just cosmetic. Whereas this actually was like, as Ryan Coogler has shown throughout his career, he cares about issues crucial to the empathy of all human beings, specific, specifically the experience of black people. And he didn't just make a superhero movie where the superhero happens to be black. It's about black issues. Yeah. And it's about issues of power dynamics throughout the world. And it's fucking awesome that it's willing to, I was really worried I would go in and it would be like, Marvel was like, sure, you can have a black superhero. Don't weigh into any like touchy subjects. You know what I mean? But they didn't do that. They let it be about pertinent issues. It will spark conversation about shit that is going on now. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's all like the, it's the right time for the film. I want to talk about the cast. The cast was fucking Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. Um, uh, his sister was like, she was my favorite. She was my favorite because she was like, um, kind of double role of like comedic relief but also like a badass in her own she right. She was cute. Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. I got. It was a James Bond movie at, for a very. Sure. That scene was very funny. I can't, but to keep credibility, I do have to like mock things I do find mockable. Yeah. And it's not. That's I fair. just find it so hard to believe. I guess it's just like superior genes or something. But like, he's a superhero and she's the greatest genius to ever and their brother and sister. Like, shouldn't the scientists have just been another random Wakandan Uh, citizen who was smart? Yeah. Yeah. But I like that. They're like, no, the Royal family are all just fucking amazing. (laughs) Even though most royalty is like inbred. (laughs) Sure. Uh, But like, yeah, that it was, that was a scene where I actually kind of laughed because I was like, well now it's just uh, the scene with Q and check out the gadgets. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's mission impossible. I love the Panther cave. Like the lair. Yeah. Was yeah. awesome. 
uh, the throne room and the big area where they hide the vibranium that they fall through when they're yeah the that too. Uh, I don't know if it was the sound mix in our particular theater, but uh, I thought the sound was kind of hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it used to great effect on some instances, like when they're falling, mm-hmm. they're like fighting in that free fall where it's like you only hear the really you know meaty impact punches, yeah. yeah. But uh, no score and none of that. Um, I think there's a little bit, and knowing Kugler uh, from film school, I mean, if he hears this, he won't hear it. But like, uh, I've always thought that he didn't care enough about sound. Ryan, you want to come in and defend yourself? Hey, yeah. Ryan. How you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, and like, not in a Ryan Johnson. Wrong, Ryan. Ryan Damn Ryan. it. Yeah, uh, you can leave. Not, not in a bad way, and like he always pays attention to story. That's his strength as a director. Uh, he's got good s- shot selection, and like especially in like Creed, there's a lot of really good choreography. So in this sequence where they're like doing the free fall and they're having their big fight, it's like a well earned kind of like superhero scene. Mm-hmm. But I always thought like, um, or throughout the movie, I was just like. There's a lot of weird sound issues in this movie. Although I got to give props to the score because that's, I think score is undervalued. It's so important. And Kendrick Lamar. And no one ever, especially in Marvel Disney, does anything new with score. No, there's not that memorable. And this score was totally memorable and unique. They completely did embrace traditional African sounds that you would never hear in any other Marvel movie. Yeah. And it added something fresh and new. I loved it. I love the... uh, the one thing I will say, like the utility sound with like the, what was the name of the, um, like the female warriors, like the Valkyries or whatever. Oh yeah. I they, kept trying to hear it, but I couldn't hear but it I can clearly. Hear, yeah. Um, it's two words. It's com- It's hard Yeah. To say. But like the, the fact that they had Nikia, her, yeah, the Royal guards, the yeah. Royal guards, they had like a, they had like a chant and, uh, the gorilla tribe. Mbaku's tribe. Yeah. yeah. Had like a very you know, nuanced kind of sound that they made that was like a lot of just sounds from people's voices. And it was musical, but it wasn't even like there was no score. That was the score. Yeah. And the art design similarly, like it's not just good in the way that everyone who has a $200 million budget has really good art design. Now it was new art design. Like I'm just so sick of seeing tie fighters. Like, yeah, I'm just glad that it was like new things. I hadn't seen tie fighters or Jarvis, new fabric swatches, new colors, new armor. Like it was just cool that it was all new and different. There was some cool stuff there. I don't really, care about the that kind of thing really because i feel like if you like comic book movies the art has to be central right like how cool the suit looks well that's true and i agree the art was beautiful it's a dumb thing to worry about if you're watching most movies but if you're watching a superhero movie how cool the suit looks actually is a component of yeah that's that. true. it's important yeah. to that type yeah. of movie. What I love is in that cue scene that they were talking about where he chooses the necklace that is like a little more subtle than the other mm-hmm. one, which he then eventually fights and is like, yeah, I want something that's like, I won't be noticed. And I'm like, dude, you're in a Panther con- like suit costume. that glows purple. You think that, yeah, you think that, <laughs> yeah, you think that's really <laughs> subtle? Well, I, I'm already taken out of that movie right there. Uh, but yeah, I like that the, uh, other, the suit that he has to choose between, uh, like with the gold necklace versus the silver necklace. That's the one that Michael Jordan ultimately goes with, right? Yeah. Yeah, Which is the non-subtle one, which is a nice little hint. That it's like, 
it's more American almost. Americans are a little gaudy or a little yeah, flashier. Yeah. Or just that he doesn't care what people think about it. He's here for a very specific purpose. Not to be subtle, yeah. Yeah, not to be subtle is part of it. I love that vibranium does anything. It's a metal that has apparently sonic properties. It, it produces sound waves that can do things. It produces electricity that can power you. Also, if you touch it to a wound, the wound starts to heal. Which is weird that they didn't bring that up for like Captain America because he has that vibranium like shield. Oh, whenever anyone gets injured, he should just he press should just, the like, shield. Press it on, like, yeah, what's going on there? Like, <laughs> they, it seems like they're retconning like what this mystical, and it's also metal is yeah. yeah it's also blue. Uh, yeah. also if you hit it, all the rest falls off. Like it's just this got way too many properties that any metal more yeah. than any sh- metal should. Yeah. Uh, you can turn it into a rail gun or an <laughs> explosive both yeah, fairly easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can use it to control some kind of drone technology. Wait, when did that happen? Uh, uh, Martin Freeman when he's flying oh, or right, right, when right. his sister is driving the car. Talking about, I mean, this is just an art design thing too, but how cool is the fucking computer interface that is holograms made up of sand, like, yeah. you know, held in place. Yeah. So cool. When he like lifts, grabs the car, he grabs the cars yeah. like they're little models and looks at what's inside them. That's and then so it dope. just disappears. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it reminds, vibranium. it reminded me of the beginning of... The what? Which superhero or Superman movie had fucking Russell Crowe at the beginning? Uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, all the Kryptonian technology looked cool. Yeah, it was very similar. Unlike Man of Steel, that wasn't the highlight of the movie. <laughs> like, right, the right. cool sand. I actually don't hate that movie to be honest. I with do. You. That's a different episode. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's still a superhero movie, but as yeah. far as superhero movies go, it's not terrible. Getting into gadgets, what? gadgets did you like and dislike because i gotta say the voltron pause yeah i thought it's so funny because we're already talking about dudes in latex suits it's so funny how i'll be like i can buy that i can buy that that's really cool what a a cat shaped laser that's stupid that's stupid yeah i don't know why there was a few silly gadgets in this one i'll you know like uh andy circus is uh you know reprising his yeah arm cannon He's what's clue. his name clue the- different people say it differently it's like clue or clue, clue. it's k-l-e-u-g-h it's like it's yeah. just his last name yeah. but uh he has an arm cannon that is just like just comes out of nowhere but it's clearly vibranium you can tell by the color yeah, and the way yeah, it glows and everything uh, yeah. and he also uses it to break like glass for no purpose and he's like that's just the you know tip of the iceberg or whatever he says uh when, oh yeah you know he breaks into the um they get the hammer. Um, but also the pearl like bracelets that they have that are the beads. Yeah. The beads. It's how they communicate and they also control all the technology and they heal you. That's the thing that I was like, they do too much. Like the, I mean like the idea of a bracelet being like a piece of tech is not problematic, right? but it's just the idea that they do everything. And it's just like, well, all right, everyone's magic all the time, constantly. Well, that's at the end when they start doing outreach to the rest of the world. I'm like, just give those bracelets out. Yeah. Just hand them out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you got, you're riddled with bracelets. apparently. 
Because they were like, yeah, we have like thousands of spears that can like stop tanks at right. one point. Yeah. That is a lot of vibranium. Vibranium. Vibranium? Vibranium. They, and they say they've been mining the meteorite for thousands of years yeah. and they have only scratched the surface. So, so it's, it's a mountain of vibranium. Wakanda, yeah. from the comics, I believe, the entire city is built on top of the vibranium uh, yeah. asteroid. Like that's how big it is. It's, it, you know. And it, they make just everything with it. They make. They make ships. He says they sew it into their clothes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I that that's one tech that I thought was cool is the uh, cloaks that the uh, the, the rhino shields. culture yeah, yeah. We, like created rhino this. tribe Daniel Kaluuya's yeah, tribe yeah that was fucking cool yes although now that you're saying it okay we can't unpack vibranium too much yeah because if you have the balls and they can heal Martin Freeman gets shot in the spine. And she takes a ball off of her bracelet and sh- and shoves Just it into shoves the wound. Right, yeah. And that stabilizes him enough that he pulls through and is walking a day later. Yeah. And he says, that's crazy. Wounds don't heal like that. And she goes, here they do with vibranium. So she makes it seem like that's not even a big deal for their technology, right? Right. Why the fuck? <laughs> um, the Black Panther suit itself is made of vibranium. Yeah, and why it like would they, learns. Why did they turn off its healing properties? Like, how come when Michael B. Jordan gets stabbed, the suit doesn't just heal him automatically? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, and I know we both loved uh, with the ending. I just really wanted, before I cut to credits, for him to say, I am Iron Man. <laughs> I just right, thought that right. joke on the record. Because he's like, who are you? Who, who are <laughs> yeah. you? I'm basketball man. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Golden State Warriors. But, um, but man, I gotta. I think it's worthwhile to compare it even to the trailer package that ran before Oh, it. my God. Because I don't think we're in... People have been saying, maybe this is signaling the beginning of like more challenging, interesting Marvel movies. And sure, I sure hope so. But I have a feeling there's, it's just like a brief, interesting, bright spot because, man, what's there's coming? There's Ant-Man versus Wasp. Ant-Man versus Wasp. Or okay. Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I just going to say, the thing that I said I hate that they seem to do once in every movie in the first act, which is this dumb joke thing. Right. Where it's like. It's just a trailer. Though. You know what's funny? When superheroes are fighting and all of a sudden they act like none of this shit matters and they go like, is my cell phone ringing? Mm-hmm. Like that joke. I'm over. Ant-Man and the Wasp looks like. Only those linked together. That's what I mean. That was it infects literally all their properties. Like Doctor Strange was just that. He was just like I'm gonna. Even in their like moments where he's like I can't use my hands anymore. It's mm-hmm. like I'm gonna make a joke. I'm I'm the best surgeon. I I wouldn't have done. You know, right. like I would have saved me. You gotta hand yeah. it to me. And it's just like oh man, you guys really love this sardonic superhero that. Can't take anything seriously. Frankly, yeah. I like I love it when Robert Downey Jr. does it, but like I don't need more than that. I don't need a Star Lord and an Iron Man and a Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, I know? agree. Yeah, and and now they're kind of doing it with Thor, you know, like because he's starting to like kind of get wise to you know what humanity and the. Although Earth again, is all I've about. heard people have told me that because I didn't see Ragnarok yet. I do intend to, um, mm-hmm. but I was just with Griffin today, and he was telling me it's 
he thinks that's just Taika Waititi's influence. Like they let Taika ruin Thor for fun. Yeah, and they'll probably just snap back to Thor being serious for you know Infinity War and they shit. Ca- but mean, like they let Taika make a straight comedy. They're, they're, yeah, that's true. But there, it's it's pretty compartmentalized in that movie with like one character, which is mm-hmm. the character that he voices, which is like a rock monster guy who's just like. A nice guy, you know, and like, that's you're like all the comedy comes and he, from him. Yeah, he's fucking hilarious. With Taika voices him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll watch it. It sounds great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very uh, what we do in the shadows kind of tone. It takes a lot of work to get my butt to a Marvel movie yeah, these days. It's like tough. you really have to convince me. Yeah. Yeah, but um, this movie didn't. There was there was a few of those quips, but it wasn't. It was light on him, and that's what I it appreciated. Yeah. It dealt seriously with issues of. Tradition versus change, like freedom versus bondage, uh, like loyalty to family versus loyalty to country versus like, and it's all great themes, what it is to be a king. Yeah, Uh, that one's good. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, it's very much uh, like in the in the battle between uh, Michael B. Jordan and uh, Chadwick Boseman. Like, I was like, this has got, like, a very, like, Lion King vibe because, like, it felt like they both have a good, like, Scar and Mufasa yeah. both deserve to be king, but one is just a very dark version of it and would fuck up everything. And they're literally purple and gold, the colors yeah, of royalty. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's clearly about monarchical tradition, which I think is such an interesting topic. And that's from the comic because Black Panther is off the top of my head, the only Marvel hero who's also king of his country. That adds all the interesting dimensions to Black Panther's stories. Because like, whereas Batman is always like, am I going to let my dark side take over and kill this guy? Or do I restrain it? Um, All on that theme, right? Uh, Black Panther themes are usually political quagmires, right? And what is the right thing to do as king? So I love that it's like Wakanda is a fake social experiment where you're like, let's say you have this hypothetical country and you care about the people. What would you do in this situation if you were king? What would you do in this situation if you were king? I'm actually looking forward to the next, you know, like they'll probably do three of Of these. Of these that are just his story. And I'm looking forward to, you know, like the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy where he is doing all the right things as a king, but just the world is changing too fast that he can't control anything and he feels powerless. You know, like that idea, kind of like what they do in Game of Thrones with uh, Daenerys Stormborn or whatever, because she's very good conqueror, not a good leader. And I want to I want to see what. Black Panther, who is a fighter and a warrior, and at yeah. one point they actually point that out. We don't like, need a warrior. We don't we need, need a, a politician. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, like, I want him not to be good at that. Well, and by the end, by the post-credit scene, he's speaking at the United Nations wearing a suit. So it's like, of course, he's going to have to fight someone with punches in the Black Panther suit. Yeah. But I do wonder if they'll have even more political thriller material. Right. Like he has to make weighty political decisions. And and it's funny because like nine year olds out there are probably like, that's the most boring thing you could put in a Marvel movie. And me as an adult, I'm like, that's the only way you could keep my interest. Yeah, exactly. Put some adult shit but in well, here. Well, <laughs> I think what it does is as we we're talking about at the top of the podcast, like um, uh, these Marvel movies live and die by their villains. And, uh, like a politically motivated villain is often like, that's conducive to like a good villain because they're going to have a point. They're going to be like, no, 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 it's, you're not 
wrong. You're just a warrior, and I need to. We need to make sure that injustice is right. you know, unrooted. Like kind of. That's why and Michael that's one B. Jordan the, works. Like when it comes to international politics, that's one of the unresolvable points. So it's always interesting for me to think about. Yeah. Like that is like I mean. America's Wakanda, right? If anyone's going to be the country who like could intervene, it's America. Right. And when you have this shit maps very directly to like when there's genocides and we have the argument about like, is it okay for us to go police the world and enforce our thing just because we have all the guns or is it not okay? Should we just stay home and let everyone get genocided? Cause that's their issue. Yeah. I never thought a Marvel movie would tackle that and it's not tackling it directly because it's all a parable yeah. But it's very clearly like around the it's, writer's table. They yeah. were talking about the modern state of black people in America. And they were talking about global politics and shit. Right, right. And then they tweaked it all to fit into the Marvel formula. Yeah. Very well done. <laughs> very clever. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it shines light on these bigger questions. It's of course still a Marvel movie. So right. it doesn't answer it with gusto, but it's still. But I would say points e- it out. each of the villains, even the lesser villains, represented a different discrete political ideology, which is certainly not something you can say for any other Marvel no, movie. No. Where it's like uh, Andy Serkis also represented, I think, uh, like it had to be, again, everything's a parable because it's a Marvel movie. Right. So he called them savages twice. Mm-hmm. And the way it's shot, the way it's handled, I feel like you know what word he's referencing. Like, yeah. <laughs> this guy is the actual white supremacist racist. And of course, that makes him a villain and he gets dispatched. But I'm just saying, he represents, I feel strongly that they sat down and they tried to craft characters that actually represent political ideologies they yeah, think like he's are pertinent the... to the real world today when you step out of the theater. Right. He's actually, I think he's playing more of the role because he's like one of the only white guys in the movie. Martin Freeman's also in it. I but... love that there's a token white guy. Yeah. It's payback there's for two. all the token black but, dudes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think he's, Circus's role is basically to be representative of like Afrikaners, you know, and like the actual colonizers. And, yeah, yeah. The colonizers, unrepentant colonizers. Yeah. <laughs> who were like the aristocrats and kind of, you know, like really fucked up and yeah. thought they were better than. And I think that's what his role is, which is kind of interesting when you think about, he is a thief and a liar and taking all of the wealth of Wakanda right. and using it just for his own personal but, you know. but the movie very deftly, and I again, I just say it's deft because it's hard to do this in a Disney Marvel movie and get right. away with it. Right. It calls into question the concept of what is theft. Because when Michael B. Jordan is stealing the vibranium thing from the museum, the woman's like, you can't, these aren't for sale, you can't steal that. He's, he's like, like Where the, I'm sorry. How did It's in London, England in a glass case where it came from Africa. Are you saying theft was not involved? And he was point? also yeah. like, by the way, that's how the world works is people are thieves. That's just true about every yeah. society. And he's not wrong about that. Right. And I, and I think it's great because it... Everything in a Marvel movie has to play as a double line. Mm. And that double line is like, ooh, it's chilling because you're finding out he's actually a villain. Up to that point, you didn't know he was a villain. But it's also, for the adults in the audience, like right. raising an interesting question. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, once again, screenwriting 101. I love that that that's not a two from second one of him being in like the museum is like him pointing out that like, 
and what's this one? Tell me about this one. Yeah, it's not that. Like he's yeah. he, his his role is a parable of that one scene where he takes essentially someone who thinks that they know what they're talking about, and he's like, "No, actually, I know yeah. more than you." Uh, and I'm going to usurp essentially the reins of power and murder you with some, you know, coffee, I guess. Uh, cause did that woman die? I think she died. She died of yeah. poison. And I, th- that's also a resonant line. Uh, he says, you got all this security cause you want to protect. And you were things. looking at me, but you didn't look about what was going What's in your inside body. your own body. And that's to me, I feel like I could be wrong. I see things that aren't there sometimes, but that's gotta be a resonant line about like, yeah, you look at black people as if we're the problem with America and you're not introspecting yeah. into the systemic problems. Yeah. I'm like, you snuck that into a Marvel movie? Yeah. Good, bravo. But also, and on top of everything, not only did you do that, but you also made it like a statement on what his point is as a villain. As a character. And in also the world. a way to get a scene where he is villainous. Right. You know, where he's just murdering willy nilly. Yeah. And it's just like, yep, yeah, uh that's a solid line. Yeah. And I love to to me it really it does kind of become Michael B. Jordan's story. Uh well it's both of theirs. It's a good dual yeah. story. Because Chadwick Boseman has the classic story of rising to meet the mantle of responsibility that being king or being a hero places upon you. Right. But that's it. We know how that's going to go. He's going to rise to it. Yeah. Um, Michael B. Jordan's story, if you parse out his scenes, are amazing because he is an ego Montoya and he like, he's avenging his father. (laughs) He's this, he's one of those characters who's endured decades of torture and silence just to make this plan come to fruition. So count of Monte Cristo's thrown in there kind of thing. Heck Yeah. And he's revenge story. He's so smart, so well-spoken. And then his plan is so circuitous and good. Like when he, uh, rescues Andy circus from jail, You're like, why is he doing this from his own point of view? I don't understand. And I just think when you trace back what his plan was, it's very airtight and smart. And they don't even have a scene where, like Loki does, he brags about, I set this all in motion. You have to just recognize that he did that. Yeah, he had a plan. Yeah, he knew somehow. I don't know how he knew that. But somehow he was in the loop enough to know that Daniel Kaluuya could be bought off by, by avenging against right. Andy Serkis. So, so he's, he's like a political playing. maneuver too. And as they say, the CIA used him in that way. It's really set up well. To like essentially serve like He was sent as like Central America to destabilize yeah. governments yeah. and shit. So when he decides I'm going to destabilize my home government, he knows exactly what to do. Yeah, That's which really is cool. a nice touch, you know. It's great. It also <laughs> feeds back into his, you know, like all the notches on his skin, yeah. which you know, like he's been on every continent and killed people there, you know. So he's yeah. he's a he's a sociopath, and he sees the power of people rising up with violence to destabilize a system, and he just thinks as you would growing up with a dead father in the projects of Oakland, mm. he thinks the system is worth burning down and rebuilding. Yeah. He's Ra's al Ghul also. No, <laughs> yeah, I was going to rewatch it again because I like it, it it smacks very much of um like the Joker, you know, like he's this kind of chaotic figure but not crazy. Not crazy all. for yeah. chaos for chaos sake. He has a purpose. Yeah. But like the idea that like the de- idea behind destabilization in 
like and it's becoming a narrative in that it's intrinsic to creation right? yeah 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 and it's becoming like a major narrative in i know they're not going that way for infinity war they're just doing like well here's josh brolin and he just wants control over he just everything. has crystals that will destroy but you so you have to destroy him back there's up. a lot of <laughs> um dr strange's villain um not the god but the zealot what's mm-hmm. his name uh, I guy plays hannibal yeah 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 uh like he, he seems to have a purpose because he's a zealot but he's also is just kind of like i just kind of want to get in to the situation like get into whatever is the standard and just fuck with the shit you know right um because that's the only that's like the gorilla type gorilla type of warfare that is effective. And those people exist. There's people who are fucking yeah. wackadoo and you can never fathom why they're doing the things they're doing. There's people whose brains are broken and they just act erratically. I just find it less interesting. There's less to dig into. Mm. Although, dude, if you ever want to cover Doctor Strange, I have the most in-depth theory about Doctor Strange that I never got to cover on Crash. Oh, really? I'd be excited to talk about. Maybe we should do like a Marvel month or something. Yeah. Doctor Strange... Just for a preview, I would call peak systemic delusion. Like, it is the ultimate movie of the oppressor. And people would be like, what? That one of all the movies to pick? But if I break it down, it's it's pretty amazing. Like, <laughs> like Disney is the peak oppressor? Or that Doctor Strange is a figure? Doctor Strange is literally... It's got to be a different episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Because I'm interested in that. Because yeah. I, I think that's... We'll a, cover it. We'll yeah, cover it. That's Let's, an interesting We'll theory. watch it again and cover it. Yeah. I thought, um, you know, I something that also took me out of it, or not in a bad way, but just like I was like, oh, this is crazy, is like um, uh, Chadwick Boseman's Wakandan accent. Yeah. Like there was a lot of people doing that uh, accent. And then he, him being in scene with Martin Freeman, who always plays British... His American accent is really good. Right, yes. Like, I know. It, it didn't really, sound forced. No, yeah. it doesn't. And I was impressed by, like, at a certain point, these two actors, like, broke character and talked to each other and was like, this is really weird that we're both putting on an accent that's so heavy right now, right? And is Chadwick Boseman British? I don't know. I actually. don't know his history. Okay. But it, the Wakandian accent is, like, pretty thick. Right. But it's just, yeah, it's funny that they'd yell cut and they'd both immediately start talking in radically different voices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless they're method. Yeah. yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, the cast can't be hyped enough. Unstoppable. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, Daniel Kaluuya, Angela Bassett. Like, yeah, that, Angela Bassett The cast it. just never stops hitting. <laughs> yeah, they're all, oh my God. Um, not only just impressive performances, but like, utilized in a very strong way like i gotta hand it to coog like he really cast well what did you think about because the all the things i liked about it actually drew focus towards story and away from it was basic it was basic but i liked how the shot of the throne was upside down when oh the canted angle where it twists right as michael jordan is taking the throne yeah yeah that's it's our only shot that's completely upside down yeah it's upside down and then it like it's basic but it's like the the world is upside down yeah well i mean i think what it's trying to say is that they're like a duality yes you know there's a dichotomy between it's all the way they rule um and he's he's upside down he's he 
he does not come from the high like so if royalty and is divine from the ancestors is divine right. from the ancestors uh Chadwick Boseman is the one from high up and he uh Michael B Jordan is very much the lucifer figure who's right. like coming from it's below like still divine but from below yeah yeah still divine but like wronged uh by fallen yeah. the god who is you know Chadwick Boseman's father um cuz he's obviously he killed his little brother so there's like this kind of you know what's the name for killing one's regicide regicide oh well uh fratricide fratricide yeah (laughs) um so it all starts with that sin of killing your own family in order for like a greater purpose which is super interesting because you're it is comparable to lion king in some ways because Lion King is loosely based on Hamlet. Yeah. And it's actually reverse Hamlet. It's a good Hamlet twist. It's like, because Hamlet, if you are have not been forced to ingest Hamlet, one of the main thrusts is Hamlet's dad was killed and he finds out his uncle killed him, right? Right. So that guy's the villain. He was always the villain. He, and he killed your dad. Mm-hmm. So that would be in this movie if Michael B. Jordan had killed T'Challa's dad. But no, it's like, what if you were the hero, you're Hamlet, you're the good guy. The story's about you. And you find out the reverse happened. No, no, no. Your dad killed yeah. his brother. Your dad is the dick. Yeah, and that's a great yeah. twist, especially when you're trying to believe that you're like part of this perfect lineage of kings that is right. Like, And then they play on that well. He sees his father in the afterlife and is like very disappointed in him. <laughs> Which is good. I like that. Yeah, scene a lot. and it literally takes place inside a mountain, yeah, uh, where their wealth comes from and all their power comes from. I thought that something that was really glossed over was this, like the drinking of the potion to like get rid of the power from the heart of you know the herbs, and mm-hmm. gaining it back, like. And he like his veins get all crazy, and I'm just like, like how many times can you do this before like you're. You're no, yeah, you're no that was longer. the weakest, most marvelly. Like, yeah, and there were only two times this happened, but I wish if I could put a moratorium on any single thing in film, even before shitty exposition or over the top narration used too it's much, just special I would put potions. The, no, I would put the thing where someone is about to get killed or anything's about to happen, or like in this case, Daniel Kaluuya goes, "Drop your weapons in three. One, what? two, what's that over there? Yeah. Every goddamn... De- deus ex time. Deus ex, whoever, whatever character happened to be off screen throws something. Yeah. Or in this case, a rhino just randomly it's charges. The, it's through. the TV equivalent of someone who's like the villain is about to shoot the hero and then is shot behind by someone who disappeared in act right. two. Marvel didn't invent this. Black Panther certainly didn't invent this. And I only counted two instances in Black Panther, which is pretty good. But, but Marvel, yeah. you're so fucking egregious with it. Like, yeah, some of these movies will have six instances of, oh, Han Solo showed up at the last second in the Millennium Falcon. Why? Because of inventiveness or story beats? No. Or therefores? No. This happened to be the time he showed up, and it happened to be the time they were about to get killed, and he stopped it. And here's the mu- yeah, here's yeah. the music, here's like the cool shot of the Millennium Falcon, yeah. and like let's all like revel in this and it's the lack of cause and effect that's what bothers me right it's disjointing there was no reason no character had a thought or took an action that caused that scene to culminate that way you're just saying the heroes are lucky over and over and over right which you know it's just like uh, so it had a little of that but it was sparing but i did want to say 
I thought it had less action and less epic action yeah. than I thought. In, it seemed like it wasn't trying to be as epic as Avengers that's, or something like I that. I think that's Kugler's touch. If you know, what did you think about that? Uh, about just like the breakdown of when that. Like, if you're an 11 year old and you're going just to watch a cool superhero movie, do you think there's a disappointing lack of centerpiece fight sequences? No. Well, I mean, I don't know. That's a hard and that's I mean, a hard question 11, to answer. So it's hard to say. That's the thing is, like, I don't care about 11 year olds. I mean, it, it may affect the uh the marvel universe if they start doing that but i don't think they are mm-hmm. i think they're gonna treat that's just going to be a tonal thing for black black panther movies i don't think it's something that marvel will adopt so i don't think it will really affect anything right it will get negative press for that purpose on 4chan i'm just saying yeah i could see people saying like yeah but guardians had more pew pew pews than black panther you're like yeah "Yeah, black panther's doing a different thing i just think it's interesting that marvel movies are such just roller coasters it's interesting to get one that you can even judge on a different rubric than how roller coastery was it yeah and i love it i mean honestly it's refreshing because usually when i leave a marvel movie all i can say is whether it got my heart rate to raise or not yeah you know like or it made me th- think a think you know <laughs> and not even think a think but think yeah a submarine ramming into a dinosaur would be cool like whatever crazy shit they had happen i was like that would be cool what else was in the trailers like oh okay Ant- so ant-man jurassic world solo, death wish jurassic world looks like garbage death wish looks like garbage Han solo, solo looks like garbage to me I like gotta, i'm calling uh, 80 percent of them were disney yes things because there's lucas and marvel right there um but and disney owns touchstone i think or miramax one of the yeah i mean uh yeah but it's like um they own this network everything was it just (laughs) like i i hate trailers now because it makes me think like what is this movie gonna be because every time i watch them now uh especially like these big blockbusters they all just feel like garbage and (laughs) because also when the ones are good you i am now too burned so many times that i'm like this is a lie. You're lying You're, to me. Yeah. The trailer, I bet whoever edited the trailer is a better editor than the film editor. The movie won't be this good. No, nah, it's just and a I'm usually right. writing. Yeah. Like trailers have gotten so good sometimes that it just obscures the shit movie. Right, <laughs> right, right. And I hate it because I've lost all, like the Thor Ragnarok trailer looked really cool, but I didn't see it because I'm like, I bet it was just a good trailer. You know what I mean? Right, like right. when you feel like you suspect you're being tricked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's got like an eighties vibe. Well, I got that from the trailer. Don't right. Need to see that movie. You're like, I wonder if they just were trying to hook me with that. And that's all it has going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hulk's in it. There, there, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's, it doesn't, it devalues it. No. I mean, that's the line that they have to play is like, how many set pieces do we actually show? Cause I know that that, uh, the teaser for Han Solo didn't even like it showed donald glover it didn't even show who han solo was it was like a shot on his back this trailer was did not do that it gave you more information but like i remember when i watched the teaser a few weeks ago or whatever i was like how is how does that make me want to watch this movie in any way shape or form like you might as well just been played the music hold on black show 
the word solo. She'll a card that says it's Star Wars with Han Solo. If you like that, you'll come to it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it like didn't do you anything. You didn't add anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and what's crazy to me is that like there's this culture of like, bravo, this is an amazing teaser. And I'm like, but what element really got you? Yeah. You're like uh, the music that I compulsively like. The that's Star that Wars music. Donald <laughs> Glover is Lando. Like that's like, yeah, yep. excellent casting. Cool choice. casting. The but casting I, director did their job. I got that from a Google search. I didn't get need to see that. Yeah. You know? The one that did get me is the Lion King graph that went around with all the Lion King. All the Lion cast, King new cast. cast. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I do want to say on Black Panther front, another thing that was super hyped was that Kendrick Lamar was doing the soundtrack. I did not feel the footprint there. I didn't feel his footprint at all. And I want to go, I was avoiding listening to the soundtrack because I wanted to hear it in context. First, Kendrick's my favorite. I'm definitely going to listen to the Kendrick Black Panther tracks now immediately yeah. or tomorrow. I got to sleep after this, but, yeah. Yeah. um, but I, I would say a minor disappointment for me was that there was no action sequence, like fully choreographed with a Kendrick Lamar track blaring. Yeah. They, you heard Kendrick's voice fade in and out real quick for like half a verse during one montage. Yeah. That was about it. The other thing, there are another artifact that actually Jen brought up because mm-hmm. she's Lord of Rings master. Right. And I, I had to laugh at is that there's a scene between Bilbo and Smeagol in this movie. Right. So Andy Serkis who played Gollum is across from the guy who played Bilbo. And he literally says, look, what do you want from me? And Jen leaned over and was like, the one ring, he wants the ring. Yeah, the, pr- <laughs> the precious. Yeah. The precious vibranium. <laughs> yeah, because, and it, there's and it's funny that literally a ring. One of the MacGuffins in the movie is a ring that's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like, well, all right, so is this my now favorite yeah. Lord of the Rings movie? And I just, uh, Abe and Jen both made fun of me for not knowing this already, but I'm going to say it in case other people out there are dumb like me. I've always known the name Andy Circus. And respected him tremendously for his mocap work and yeah. known that he plays Gollum and King Kong and he plays uh, Homer Homer and, and a Planet bunch of, of the apes. And the, yeah. Um, seeing him as himself as a human body on film, I'm even more impressed because I can't believe that he can move flexibly. He well, looks built. He like, looks like a stocky built guy. Like we're saying, he used I to be a little look, more lithe. I thought he'd look like a long freaky yoga like guru. A, you yeah, thought you, know? you were expecting Doug Jones and you got the swole like superhero guy, which I think he did that for Avengers too. But you're right. Doug the Jones. The Age of Ultron, I think was the first one that he was introduced yeah. in. And he's big in that film too. Doug Jones, the other main name in mocapping who mocaps weird creatures. Yeah. Does look like a weirdly oh, shaped yeah. guy. And he can like bend his arms weirdly. And when you see him, he's so flexible that you're like, I can see that you play monsters. Yeah. Uh, Andy Circus. When you see him in this, I'm just like, really? That's Gollum? He was on all fours going over rocks and shit? Yeah. Good for him. And the pressure. And he did the voice. Like, he's... I mean, Andy... He Simon, actually coughs like Gollum does in, at one point in this movie. In which this? I Do thought, you think it was a wink? I think it was. It's so close. Like, he, he just goes has like, to cough? Remember when he was like, I could see you through, through the, the glass. And he was like... <clears throat> And I didn't catch it, but yeah. I believe you. Yeah. yeah, and then he like winks literally at camera, like it's yeah, not quite. Lamper Snoke also. Yeah, you Snoke. I was trying to think of a joke where Snoke acts like Gollum, but he basically is Gollum, so <laughs> yeah, I can't even. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Snoke is just like if Gollum lived that long and became the emperor yeah. <laughs> of space. Give me the Jedi. Yeah. I need the Jedi. He's the Jedi. Yeah. Incidentally, I finally figured out something from the expanded Star Wars universe that does. 
it doesn't really fix it because it's a cop out and they say it's just a rule of the universe. But it does make something clear to me that I've always not understood, which is why is there a Darth Vader and an emperor when the emperor can kill Darth Vader? Why isn't the emperor out there doing his own shit? Well, he's just an enforcer. Why does Snoke have a... But anyway, apparently the way the light side works is you can train infinite Jedis, but the way the dark side works, for some reason, it's just a rule of the universe is it can only be trained individually. So it's tradition to have an old master train a young strong master and it's tradition for the young person to always eventually betray them. So don't care. Right. So I'm saying like, it's a rule of the universe (laughs) that Vader and Palpatine were always like, I know you're going to try one day. It's like the dad who's like, you think you're old enough to take on your old man? But I mean, that's like just as flippant and useless as being like, yeah, Uh, like, don't you know that if you, if you drive a millennium Falcon, you, that you, you have a, a hairy beast that's your right, sidekick required, who's yeah. your co-pilot yeah. like <laughs> that's just how it works in this universe it's like all right now you're just making you're just shit saying up. it's magic i know it's all made it's just up. the rules of our thing yeah yeah, and yeah I, it's true yeah but man fuck these i'm trailers. always grasping for a way to like star wars and so far i haven't yeah i'm because I'm, I'm a nerd I'm trying, and i'm supposed man. to like it i just didn't like last jedi and solo looks bad uh, and I didn't care for Rogue One or whatever that much. It was better than the others. Uh, and Force Awakens, I liked a little better. It's like, so they've been increasingly getting worse to me. And I don't even think they started. Like I consider the originals above. solid adventure movies. Yeah, they were very good. Not fun. more than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like uh, The only thing that even got to the space of remotely interesting was empire. empire of course yeah, yeah. because it's like it had, had the balls to deal- have a downer ending yeah, yeah and it had a villain that actually like did something it wasn't right. just like i'm evil and it's like well, no. well we're good so no. we're gonna come and get you and he's like come at me bro like that's every single action movie you just spoiled 90 percent of next year's slate <laughs> yeah exactly films. yeah yeah and so the idea of like i'm i'm evil i'm coming at you bro yeah here's the thing i'm better at being evil than you are at being good so here we go <laughs> And you lose. And it's like, oh, good flip. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's why I'm so glad Black Panther is dominating box office. Yeah. Not just for representation reasons, although that's very crucially important and amazing. And it's very exciting to see. I was so uh, glad talking it's a good about, movie. Right. Our, our friends, uh, little black so- kids, like being like, I want to be Black Panther now. Yeah. And how exciting that, that scene is. at the <laughs> very end was hilarious too. That probably got the most laughs in the theater we were at. Oh, and where like they the were Swedish just like, "What delegate. the hell is that? Is this a spaceship? What is this shit?" You know, like, oh, not post credits. No, this, no, right. just the on the basketball court when they come back to Oakland and he, we break it apart and we sell it. That's yeah, what we that, do. That, it's, it's it's beautiful, uh, and it's like so perfectly like the old meets the new, like in right. terms of like the comic books and like getting updated for right now is to show a badass superhero that actually has like, that's one thing that I wish, like, that's why I liked Iron Man three actually. Cause that's my favorite one. I mean, Shane black. Yeah. 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 There you go. Cause there's a kid in it. Who's like, I admire what you do and I want to like, I just like that interaction. Like a, the idea of a superhero having to interact with a kid is not a normal thing. No, because Shane usually- Black's a genius because he said you've already done two. 
So how can I refresh this? He's Iron Man, right? All right, I'll take his suit away for a long section of the movie. And then give you all the suits. And what is he? Oh, he's a huge insufferable asshole. I'll give him a nice kid that he has to talk to. Yeah, and... Both amazing maneuvers and to And also the make the kid teach him the lesson that he had forgotten, which is like, what do you do? I'm a builder. Well, then build. Right. You're a Be mechanic. Iron Man. Yeah. Be MacGyver, because that's how you got the suit in the first place. Go You're back not the to suit. Do You're not yeah. the suit. And then also the idea that Okay, some people are going to want to see the suit, and they're not getting the suit. So at the end, there's going to be suits 40 everywhere. suits. Yeah. That's not a not smart tactic. No, it's a, it's a fun game. And my favorite thing of all in that is the meta tactic of Shane Black was clearly aware that in every Marvel movie, the most famous actor with the most gravitas turns out to be the villain. You're like, oh, yep. Yep. Jeffrey Rush is in this? And he's acting nice. By the end, he'll be the villain. <laughs> so they made, they showed the Mandarin, who in the comics is one of Iron Man's you mean, main uh, villains. Not Jeffrey Rush. You mean uh, I always uh, mix him up. Ben, yeah. uh, what the fuck's his name? What? Right, the actor's name in real life. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm not remembering. I always name. mix up Jeffrey Rush and guy from Crazy Heart. He's the Big Lebowski, sexy beast. No, no. Well, now you're talking about who's the Mandarin? Uh, House of wait, Sand are, and Fog. We're confusing each yeah, other. Yeah, wait, who are we talking about? The guy who's the actor, or is he... Well, in Iron Man 1, the villain is... Because I want you to reset. Who plays and... the Big Lebowski? You know. Why can't oh. we think of his name? Uh, oh, no, uh, Big Lebowski is... Um... Who is the small Lebowski. The main character in Big Lebowski. Yeah, it, the dude. Um... The dude. One of my favorite actors, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. I always confuse his name with Jeffrey Rush's, but I know that they're different people. But he's not in Iron Man 3, is he? He's in Iron Man 1, and okay. he turns out to be the villain, yes. and it's predictable because he's the most famous name, and like he's acting nice at the beginning, but he's bald. Yeah, <laughs> <can> just tell. <laughs> My point is, in 3, Mandarin, who is, and his name's Ben Kingsley, Kingsley, who is a villain in the comic, a real villain, who's one of Iron Man's main villains, they introduce him in the trailer, and it's Ben Kingsley, and you're like... Okay, it's fine. I know the formula. No, nope, it's Guy Pierce. And they're like, fuck no. Ben Kingsley is no one and nothing. Yeah. And I know that's kind of the same thing as Ryan Johnson saying you have no parents, which I just reverse the trope. But I did think it's much more woven into the story beats and it's much better payoff. It's just once. When that's you find the, out Ben Kingsley is nobody, that's so funny. There's a big difference from when your bread and butter is doing that to every trope versus right. and you it gets tired versus one well choreographed pulled off move. Fucking the formula. Fucking the, the thing, formula, yeah. which is the difference between the Shane two Black's movies. smart as hell, yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah, it's yeah. All right. Well, so support Black Panther. It is good. Uh, all the hype in the world can't make me like Marvel movies better than like movies I like more. Right. But um, if you want to see Marvel movies go in a more interesting direction, I'd certainly see Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I give it a thumbs up. I give it nine claws. Nine claws. It, <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Go to bed. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans.
If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!